Welcome to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. Up next is Super Bowl 17 champion, NFL MVP, two-time Pro Bowler, NFL Man of the Year, and renowned motivational and leadership speaker, Joe Theismann. Joe and I's conversation will challenge us to grow and stay present where we are at. So sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Welcome back to the Write It Down podcast. Today, we welcome Joe Theismann. He's a former NFL quarterback. Um, There's a lot of things that I could list about you, Joe, but I just met you yesterday, and something I can already notice about you is that you are a man of your word and you are quick to help others, so I appreciate you hopping on the show. Such short notice. Um, Thank you for coming on. You're welcome, Brooke. I appreciate it. it's exciting that you have a podcast and uh, you've done so well reaching out to so many people and really helping people uh, try and figure out, quote unquote, how to write things down. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited to go through your journey a little bit. You've had a lot of write it down moments in your life where you can look back and see where God's come through for you. You can look back and see the, the different people that have been placed in your life um, for different purposes. So I'm excited to tap into that. It is for those of you listening, um, we are recording right before. Um, NFL Hall of Fame weekend, um, the induction. So that should be cool. You're headed over there, right, this weekend? I am going to the Hall of Fame inductions this year. I went for uh, Coach Gibbs, my coach, uh, Daryl Green, um, Russ Grimm, some of the guys from the football team that I played on when they were inducted. And this is somewhat of a rare exception. Um, I'm going there to support a former Dallas Cowboy, uh, Drew Pearson. Drew was my wide receiver in high school. And it's just so exciting to have him get into the hall. Um, I, I watched the game last night, and I watched some of the interviews with him. And he is he is, is as excited as anybody I've ever seen uh, to get into the hall. And it's a place where he belongs. He was an incredible football player. He's been a wonderful friend for so many years. And I just wanted to be there to support him. Wait, that is so neat. That I mean, also the NFL community just seems so genuine. Can you describe probably – maybe in a, a few words, w- what the NFL community is like. It's, it's a, well, because it is all male, as far as the players go, it's a brotherhood. But then we have, we have female members uh, in so many different ways in the NFL, in officiating, in coaching, in front office. Um, it, it really has a great family feel to it. I mean, obviously, you're going to play on football teams and you're going to be in an organization where it doesn't feel that way. Right. Uh, generally speaking, overall, I think so many guys really care about one another. They care about the safety of one another. But and I've always said this, Brooke, football is a microcosm of society. Mm-hmm. All the issues and problems that we deal with and the things that happen in society happen in our little world called football. So it's just uh, it's a you know, you step back sometimes. I've been you know removed from this thing almost 36 years now. Wow. And you step back. And you look at what goes on in the NFL and what goes on in society and the conscious nature of the young people that are involved in the game today. And it really is truly a microcosm of society. That is so interesting. And I I can see it, too. I'm sure, obviously, I mean, you were in the NFL and you're removed from it now that you perceive it a little bit differently. But I can see how it would be a microcosm of society. I mean, football has been 
threaded throughout your your DNA for a long time. Um, you've seen the ebb and flow of college football, NFL, all of those different things. You played uh, for Notre Dame. Can you describe um, kind of your your mindset in college? Like, was your vision for NFL or was just football something that you were doing because you were good at it? Well, it's interesting. Um, take you back a little bit before, even before I signed to go to the University of Notre Dame, my high school coach, a guy by the name of Ron Wojcicki, coached uh, actually played at North Carolina State University with uh, Roman Gabriel who was a great Los Angeles Ram quarterback Uh, and I thought that was a good reason to go so I actually signed at North Carolina State I visited five schools I narrowed it down I I think you know that's one of the things that if you're a senior or you know looking at college figure out four or five places that you want to go so you can focus on those as opposed to so many great athletes get like hundreds of offers and you try and take advantage of all and it's it's not worth your time and it, I think it confuses you. Yeah. So I, I went to the University of North Carolina to visit North Carolina State, Wake Forest, uh, Penn State and Notre Dame. Uh, I'd signed at North Carolina State and then the University of Notre Dame approached me and said, we'd like you to make a trip out. And I said, well, I've already signed. Well, back in the late 60s, which sounds like to you Sheesh. probably the di- dinosaur ages. <laughs> it does. But, uh, you know, it is. It's the Neanderthal times. Yeah. Um, you could you could sign and go someplace. Because Notre Dame was an independent, I would lose eligibility. So I flew to South Bend, Indiana. Um, a tremendous Hall of Famer by the name of Rocky Blyer played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, was my chaperone. And, you know, I, Rob, Rocky was a great player at Notre Dame. And so um, I flew back home to Jersey. I got off the plane. My father says, what do you think? I said, I have to go to Notre Dame. He said, why? I said, Dad, it just feels right. And I contend this, Brooke. And mm-hmm. I, I maybe maybe you've had this same feeling, even though as young as you are, I don't think this has an age limit to it or an age mm-hmm. where it begins. If you were to follow your instincts Instead of sitting down and trying to analyze so many situations, you probably would have made better decisions in your life than they turned out. Yeah. So I basically followed my instincts. I followed my heart, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went with it. And of course, you know, had a wonderful career, played for a tremendous coach in Aeroparsigian and played with a whole bunch of great guys at the university. And when I was at the University of Notre Dame, it was all male. Yeah, we did not go co-educational until 1972. Oh, wow. So, so it was a, a, a very different experience. We had curfews. I mean, it was, and, and, I'm, and I'm not Catholic. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a Methodist kid, so mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, I'm at a Catholic institution. Never missed a mass, though, I can tell you that, in four years at the university. Wow. I, I really like, I kind of want to tap into kind of what you said about following your instinct. Um because I, I believe the, the message that you're trying to get across with this is when when you sit there and analyze something, it's I've called this in my own life analysis paralysis. I analyze yeah. things so much to where I end up doing nothing. And yeah. it, it ends up keeping you kind of in this like cyclical pattern. And it doesn't necessarily mean that every single instinct that you have is necessarily um, going to bring you to your ultimate like destiny or where God wants you, but it it could lead you to the next thing. And sometimes it's kind of just taking that next step, like you're saying, um, and just trusting, trusting God to do his part and you do the human part kind of thing. Trust God, trust God to do it. Trust your instincts. And you know, you'll, you'll at least take a step. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. You'll at least be moving 
in the right direction. Yeah. And I think you're right, though. I mean, sometimes we just overanalyze situations and we wind up right back where we were before. It's like a cycle. It is. It's a vicious cycle. I've been caught in that before in my life. And then it's just like you end up doing nothing. So you might as well. And part of the maturing process. And yes, I'm much younger. Um, and 1960s does sound like the Paleolithic era, but <laughs> for me, for me, I'm like, the older I get, the more I realize sometimes it's just about making a decision and having confidence in your decision. And I'm You're someone right. that likes 400 million, like affirmations and approvals and different things like that. And not everything is this life or death decision. And so when I get to hop on the mic and hear old guys like you share your story, I'm like, man, whoa, 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 whoa. be careful, be careful. <laughs> Be careful. I get old excited. Guy. I'm not an old guy. You're not an old I'm guy. I'm not an old guy at all. You're as young as you feel in your heart. How how young do you feel, Joe? I feel I feel forty-ish. Oh, that's good. That's that's still yeah. kind of old though to See, me because I'm no, twenty-five. No, well, let me say this: forty-ish <laughs> is a number because that means you've been around long enough yeah. to experience a lot of things, mm-hmm. but you still have a lot of life ahead of you. Yeah, that's true, so that's, and that's where you're at. That's why I picked that number. Oh, okay. yeah. At least for maybe 35. Okay. I, I can't say 25, though, Brooke, no matter how much I'd yeah. like to say. My body says, <laughs> no, Joe, you're not 25 anymore. I just want to let you know, too, it is 2021. So people can Google your age and they're going to find out the, the truth <laughs> and realize that my old guy comment wasn't that far fetched. But we can move on <laughs> to to okay. your your career. I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. But CFL, you played in the CFL for a little bit in Toronto. Yep. Then Loved moved into the NFL. Okay, so kind of describe that transition. Were you wanting to be um, – because there was a turn of events um, to get into the CFL. So what was that? Well, I was drafted originally by the Miami Dolphins in the fourth round. And uh, they had a quarterback there by the name of Bob Greasy. This was 1971. Mm-hmm. And uh, I flew down to Miami. And I negotiated my contract with the owner. I've only done that twice in my life. My first contract and my last contract. Mm -hmm. The first one was with Mr. Joe Robbie. The last one was with Mr. Jack Kencut with the Washington football team, which was the Redskins at that time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I sat down in a meeting with him and he said, what do you want? And I said, I want, and, and these numbers I know will blow people away. I want thirty-five, forty-five, and fifty-five thousand dollars, and I want a thirty-five thousand dollars signing bonus broken down over three years for tax purposes. He says, "You got it." Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, I read books on negotiation. It wasn't supposed to be that easy, but it was." Mm-hmm. And then when they sent me the contract, uh, they had me paying back money if I didn't show up uh, for any of those three years, and I felt that was wrong. I felt the bonus was unrelated to um, to me showing up. And we haggled back and forth. And all that time, I stayed in communication with the Toronto Argonauts. And as it turned out, um, I wound up going to Canada. And uh, they said, look, you leave the country, uh, the contract is off the table. I signed the contract, flew back to South Bend, and Eric Parsegi was my coach, who was my consultant, whom I never consulted. So if you have a consultant, it's always good to consult with them. I can just suggest that to Mm -hmm. people. But I did not. And he said, uh, what did you do? I said, I signed with the Argonauts. He said, I know uh, Coach Shula's on his way up, flew up from Miami and just read me the riot act. And as it turned out, um, I went and spent three years in Toronto and broke my leg the first time the second year up there. But absolutely, uh, absolutely loved the experience I had uh, in Canada. Loved the city of Toronto, the people of Toronto, the fans were unbelievable. Our stadium was right on the lake and uh, you got to experience a wonderful winter 
mm-hmm. um, up in that part of the country. And then, and then George Allen, who was the coach of the Washington football team at that time, traded a number one pick for me to the Miami Dolphins to bring me to Washington in 1974. And that's, that's how it started. And I spent my first two years here as a punt returner. Wow. What a turn of events. So were you excited to go back into the NFL after being in the CFL for a few years? I was. I, I mean, I would have stayed in the CFL. I was very content to stay up there and play. I, uh, we'd had success. We had, a, we had a really good football team. And I think that's part of it. If you're in a really great environment, no matter where it is, you can make it an enjoyable experience. If you're in an environment that you just don't like, uh, it doesn't matter. It's not worth being there. I mean, I tell people all the time, life's too short. Mm-hmm. Find something you enjoy. Find something you have a good time doing. Find something you can work with people that you enjoy being around. Because really, Brooke, it's all about people. Mm-hmm. I don't care what business you're in. It, it, it's the same thing in families. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the family gets along, everything's good. If the family doesn't get along, it's a miserable experience. Yep. I yep. mean, that's just that's just the way it works out. Yeah. And so I went on and you know had a career in Washington mm-hmm. uh, for well, I played 12 years uh, wow. here in Washington. Wow. Okay, so what's one of the most surprising moments of your career in the NFL that like really just took you by surprise and you went home um, like a like a really exciting surprise, I should say, because I know that you've had some surprises in your life that have been a little more difficult to process. But something that you went to, to bed at night going like, wow, I can't believe that was something for me, like an unexpected one, surprise. It was one of my first starts against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they had a great middle linebacker by the name of Willie Lanier, a Hall of Famer. And Willie used to wear, besides the normal helmet, he wore a pad on top for hitting purposes. So it almost looked like a space helmet. And we're just like my first snap. I line up under center and I stare across at the middle linebacker and I'm I'm going, wow, that's Willie Lanier. Look at that thing on his head. And then the ref blows a whistle. What was that? I got so enamored staring at Willie's helmet and seeing him in front of me I forgot to call the play, and I got a five-yard delay game penalty. So um, that was one of the more unusual experiences I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, in professional football, probably taking the last snap in Super Bowl seventeen when we were world champions was – you just can't beat it. I, I remember mm-hmm. – to, to put it in perspective, mm-hmm. John Elway, the, the great Hall of Famer of the Denver Broncos and two-time world champion, I um, – before John ever won a championship, I was in television and I was doing, I was broadcasting a Denver San Diego game. And I sat down with John in a production meeting and I said, tell me, you know, you've, you've been to about three Super Bowls before that. Is it okay if you don't win the Super Bowl? And he said, you know, Joe, uh, it's been a great experience. Love the people of Denver, great organization stuff. I'm okay with it. And then I saw him two months later at the ESPYs in New York. John was coming in to get an award, and I was part of the ESPN broadcast group. So I said, John, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you in November. Do you feel the same way about the Super Bowl as you did for I said, God, no. He said, there's nothing like winning the Super Bowl. It's almost indescribable because it changes your life. I mean, I do motivational speeches today. I've been doing this for nigh on 40 years Hmm. because I had the opportunity to be a part of a championship organization and people want to know mm. just like what you're doing yeah. exactly what you're doing people are tuning into your podcast because they want to learn something that can improve the quality of their life mm. and if you want a championship that means you've done something special you've mm. been a part of something special and there's a reason for that 
You know, what's the philosophy? What's the concepts? What was it like? What's the feeling? A lot of people don't get to have that feeling. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was, um, it was, it, you know, John sort of put it in perspective. There's nothing like it. Wow. I, I well, there's two things I want to say. One is, um, I wasn't alive when you won the Super Bowl, but it really impacted my dad's life in a horrible way because he's a huge Miami Dolphins fan. And so <laughs> it's just, it's a little sore subject right. because do, do me it's a favor. in my blood. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Tell your dad I'm not apologizing. Okay. Just want you to know, <laughs> I'm not going to apologize. Nobody right? ever, I'm just going to say it, nobody ever apologizes to a Miami Dolphin fan. They just don't. Nope. They, I mean, even with the, even though we proved ourselves here and there, but we just can't seem to pull through. And it's been my whole life. And, you know, my dad, it's always like this year's our year. This year's our year. But now he's kind of stopped saying that to just be like, I don't know. And that's well, okay. You know, you know, Brooke, your, your dad actually has me to thank for the 1972. <laughs> he does. He has me to thank for the 1972 undefeated Miami Dolphin football team. And I'll tell you why. Why? I was drafted by the Dolphins in 1971. I chose not to go. What When I didn't go to Miami, Coach Shula went and got Earl Morrow, who he had in Baltimore. Earl Morrow was the backup for the Miami Dolphins in 1972. Bob Greasy gets hurt. Earl Morrow played nine games in the 1972 undefeated season for the Miami Dolphins. So, theoretically, had I decided to go to Miami, I don't know if that would have been an undefeated season. But the fact that Don had to go get Earl and he quarterbacked that team for so much of it and they wound up being undefeated. So to all the Miami Dolphin fans out there, I say you're welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much, Joe. (laughs) This just, I think, is the nugget of wisdom I'm going to take away from this episode, even though I was so far from being alive. I'm just my life just came full circle and I appreciate it. I will be a Dolphins fan until I die. As long as I keep talking to, I mean, NFL Hall of Famers, NFL players, college players, like my heart just is not going to move from the Dolphins. And that's just the way it is. And that's okay. I've learned to accept who I am. And that's part of adulthood, right? It's just knowing who you are. But well, you know what? A lot of people don't figure it out, Brooke. Yeah. It's you know, I mean, a lot, a lot of people go through life trying to figure out, first of all, they try and figure out life and, and life happens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you basically sometimes have to deal with it. And I have a sort of a motto. If I can't control it, I'm not going to worry about it. We, every, people worry about so many different things that they have no control over. It's like, it's like you go to an airport, mm-hmm. you know, which a lot of people have done. A spirit has canceled a lot of flights. You go to the airport, you can't make the flight. I mean, you, yes, you're not happy with it. Yes, you're upset with it. But there's absolutely nothing you can do with it. Yeah. You're, you know, now you move to the next. And now you, you know, basically in, in sports, we football, we call it an audible. Yeah. Now you call an audible. Now you start to think, okay, can I get a rental car? Well, that's hard in this environment because everybody wants rental cars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I need to get there. And it, it creates a lot of inconvenience. But, you know, to, to go nuts and get crazy over it really, uh, it doesn't accomplish anything. We're going to take a quick break to discuss Write It Down's brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com, and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says Learn More. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. 
Yes. My favorite part about the website is the Wid Wall, which is a collection of all the write it downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network. So show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with Write It Down, because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. So speaking of that, I'm kind of in a segue because that concept is so um, insightful of if you can't control it, you can't worry about it. And you can control what you control. And the biggest thing I'm learning is like in my life is you be human, let God be God. Like you just do the human thing. You do what you like, what you've been given, be faithful, what you've been given and don't stress about all the other details. I'm not that good at it, but today I'm starting. It's my new thing. It's well, like starting learning, a diet every know? Monday. I mean, yeah. you're, you're just like, right, you're starting a diet on Monday. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're learning and that's, that's the most important thing is to continue to grow and learn. You know, I have a favorite, Sam, another, I've, I, cause all the speeches I do, I've been doing them for 40 years. And one of my favorite sayings is the day you stop learning is the day you stop living Mm. and i think every day there's so much to learn out there especially in a changing society where we are today i mean you're living you're living in unprecedented times as a young person in society today you're telling me you know i mean Mm -hmm. people say to me what's the nfl going to look like 10 years from now heck what's the nfl going to look like this year i know with the with the covid protocols Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many things going on in the world today, so many changes going on in the world today, not just in this country, but around the world uh, mm-hmm. that potentially can affect, you know, as you grow older or your children's children Yeah. Uh, as you grow. It's true. Okay, so let's kind of tap into what you just said, too, of like living in unprecedented times. Also, you kind of are giving away your age because you said you've been speaking for 40 years. So well, people are going to so know. You know. Just so you know, I'll be 72 this year. 72. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Yeah. September 9th. Wow, that's coming up. 72. Yep. You sound like you're in your 40s. It's almost I like am. you feel you. like you're in your 40s. That's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so what you said about unprecedented times is my generation is living in in these times right now where nobody knew you know, in 2020 in the spring that the whole world was going to shut down and things were just going to start to change. And when there's something uncontrollable that happens in your life, which you have that with um, your injury in the NFL, which we can talk about, but sure. you, you kind of have to, you know, you can mourn, but then you have to pivot your mindset. So what would be maybe your advice to our generation who, you know, is in their young twenties um, or maybe thirties and they had so much, like expectancy and hope. And now it just kind of seems like, eh, I don't know. Like, I mean, it does show you, you can't have hope in anything like that's in this world or circumstantial. There's something greater for all of us, but mm-hmm. what would you say your advice would be? Um, and the wisdom that you've learned the last 72 years. I think the most important thing is, is don't let one situation or circumstance in your life determine where your life is going to go. Um, life is full of options. I mean, you, you have options to do a lot of different things in your life. The question is, what do you like? What do you enjoy? Uh, what gets you excited about getting up every morning? Uh, Admiral McRaven uh, wrote a book called Make Your Bed. Uh, Admiral, uh, I believe, led the SEAL teams for a number of years. And um, basically, it, the book is all about if you get up in the morning, and you make your bed, you have accomplished something. Mm -hmm. And that's what we try and do. And so maybe the situation or circumstance that you were involved in, you didn't get a chance to accomplish it. But yet there's something out there. I 
I believe I believe in my heart of hearts. Mm-hmm. There's always something out there that that you can be productive in that that gives you a, a sense of strength. I mean, you know, the good Lord does not present situations and circumstances in front of us that he doesn't believe that we can overcome. Mm. Now, and, and that's the other thing, too, is so often in life, um, people will pray and say, can you please help me out of this? Can you please help I don't hear a lot of people praying and saying thank you. Hmm. Thank you for the blessings that you bestowed on my life. Thank you for the blessings of the people that I've met. Thank you for the blessings to be able to grow as a human being. Mm-hmm. One of the problems I believe we have in society today is that people don't want to talk to one another. They want to yell at one another. Mm-hmm. Everybody is so dug in, and young people in particular, to be honest with you. They're so dug in in their viewpoints that they're unwilling to listen to someone else's point of view. And heaven forbid, if they made a really, really good point, that all of a sudden they might sway from what their opinion is at that point. So, I, you know, what I say is, is look at all circumstances. It, when my leg was broken, um, I just signed a brand new five-year contract. In 1984, my leg was broken in 85. In 1984, I was the fourth highest paid player in the National Football League at a million dollars a year. Hmm. Now, that's a far cry from where the guys are today. And God bless all of them. I'm thrilled that everybody's getting everything they can. I'm a free enterprise guy. Hmm. I believe if you can have an advantage in life and you can make it make it your life easier, go for it. Do it legally. Do it the right way. But if you can do that, terrific. I think the young guys are making a lot of money. Hmm. And in 1985, I got hurt. I went from the fourth highest paid player in the league to a guy who didn't have, a, uh, didn't have a, any, anything. I didn't have a contract anymore. I was a football player. That's what I was for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to learn to do other things. You know, everybody out there that's listening, I know you're good at more than just one thing. And so you get a chance to focus your energy in other areas. Mm-hmm. If one, Like I say, if one door closes, another one opens. Now, here's the thing you have to understand. We're moving on God's timetable, not Mm. yours. Mm. That's the most important thing, I think, for young people to understand, because I I call I call it sports center moments. Mm -hmm. You know how sports center has the top 10 on ESPN and Mm -hmm. everybody's trying to become they get their 15 seconds of fame. Um, It doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. It's not all mountaintops. Yeah, you just have to you have to keep grinding, and, and I get my friends come up to me and say, "You know, Joe, you're always up. You're you know, no, I'm not always up. I have days like everybody else. I just I call them peaks and valleys. Mm. I just choose not to stay in the valley very long, but that's yeah. my choice. That is a choice. It's 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 very, this is, reminds me of a conversation that I just had with my dad recently about like most of the most of the life most of your life is not made um, with the mountaintops. The mountaintops definitely. I believe show the character of God. Like you can see like, wow, like miracles happen, like breakthrough happens, exciting things happen. But you know, I, I thought about the bucks just winning the NBA championship and, um, just like kind of looking at Giannis and like the guys afterwards and like they're giving the speech, they're crying. And immediately in my head, I'm going, well, what's tomorrow going to look like for them when the high is over? 
when you know you get that build up right you're climbing that mountain you're putting that grind and you're putting it in and then you get that mountaintop moment or you win the super bowl against the dolphins or whatever it is and then that next morning it's like okay well now i'm kind of back to the, the the plateau but like not that you weren't thankful for what just happened but it's life again your next day I, comes like the next thing comes and so um i really think there's so much wisdom what you said and i also love what you said about us being on god's timetable because we might have um vision or excitement for something in our life and it seems like it's taking forever Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to come. It's just like, there's so many other moving parts that we can't control. Right. You know, it's interesting, Brooke, what you're really, what you're you're talking about is you have to enjoy the moment when you talk about Giannis and Milwaukee winning Mm -hmm. the championship, enjoy that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, you, that's you, you are at the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. You're looking, you're looking over at everybody. Everybody's looking up at you. Uh, you know, I've, I've been to the top of the mountain. I've seen what that feels like. I've also lost a Super Bowl, and that's the depth of despair, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you work so hard to get there, and we went to back-to-back Super Bowls. Yep. Marcus yep. Allen, my dear, dear friend, uh, you know, every now and then we're together. He shows me the Super Bowl 18 ring. He says, thank you. I said, no, don't, <laughs> don't you dare go there with me. Because he was MVP of that Super Bowl. I was, I was the MVP that year, yeah. Wow. But I, I think you have to you – have you have to enjoy the moments of life. Enjoy the relationship. Enjoy the conversation that you're having with someone. Mm. And take something away from it. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the, the time, you know, maybe just sitting in the presence of someone. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've, been around, I've been around the biggest people in the world. I've been around the richest people in the world. Um, but to me, the people that I enjoy being around so much, not that I don't enjoy being around them, but I enjoy people of knowledge. Mm. I just I have such great admiration for people um, that have knowledge that that they can share the knowledge. I mean, I, I just sit like a little sponge, mm-hmm. and I like I said every day you have to learn something. It doesn't matter how old you are, uh, but I, I just I just listen to what somebody has to say and say, wow, what a great perspective. Mm. And that's stuff that we like I said everybody sort of dug into their foxholes right now, mm-hmm. and it, it's time that it's time that we went out and started communicating and saying okay. What are we really trying to accomplish in this world? Mm-hmm. What are we really trying to accomplish in this country? And I, I think what, what politicians lose sight of is they work for the people. Mm. And I don't like I don't I don't like to talk about politics. Right. To me, it's you know I'm, I'm I just it's so it, there's it's, it's, it's so difficult mm-hmm. it's so difficult to watch now. Mm-hmm. But it's you know they I think a lot of them have forgotten who they work for. Mm-hmm. They think they work for a party or they think they work for something else. But truth of the matter is the American people are the ones that have to be the benefactors of what they decide to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're here to live life for others. And yeah. if I'm putting you first and you, you're you putting me first, then we're both being put first and we're both not accused of being selfish. I have another saying I use. We're here to serve, not to be served. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. And there's a lot more, I feel like, delight in that. When you're not so, I mean, and there's less um, fear and worry because you're less fixated on what what your situation is and you're focused on somebody else's situation. And I have found, and I need to go back to this concept, this, this conversation's helping me in my own life, but I need to go back to that concept of when you can focus on others, a lot of times because you're so focused on others, God's working in the background on your issue 
and you'll start to see some things kind of come about because you're not so hyper aware of it. I, I put it like this is like if you're cooking a chicken, right, like a piece of uh, chicken breast and the oven's on 400 and you got 35 minutes and you got to cook it. You're not going to sit there at the oven and watch the chicken cook. You're going to go <laughs> you're going to go fold your laundry. You're going to go play with your kids. You're going to go do something. And before you know yeah. it, that chicken's cooked. So yeah. it doesn't need you. Um, this is just me preaching to myself and whoever hears this can take it or leave it. But the time just kind of passes differently when you're focused on other things. And that's kind of so like, it's like staring saying. at a clock, Gosh. It's like staring at a clock. You can sit and stare at a clock. It looks like the hands aren't moving. Oh, my gosh. You know, that is it, you so know it's, yeah, well, I, I just really, um, you know, by the way, I wrote a book called How to Be a Champion Every Day. Mm-hmm. Came out last June, came out in the middle of the pandemic. Wow. Obviously. Congratulations. Thank you. But there's um, there's, you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about, I've incorporated into it. I talk about opportunity I talk about goals, talk mm-hmm. about attitude, talk about teamwork, talk about motivation, mm-hmm. tell some stories. And people like General Colin Powell have contributed with wow. me in the book about leadership. And mm-hmm. like I said, if, I believe this. If you want to learn something, learn from people that are smarter than you mm-hmm. um, and and take and, and look at their life and say, you know, there isn't there isn't a life that I believe that people have had success in in their life that hasn't gone through a lot of struggles and trials and tribulations to get where they are. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing is, I, I, let me tell you a real quick story. Here. Uh, a friend of mine came up to me one day. He said, Joe, he said, uh, do you think you're a successful person? I said, well, you know, I spent 23 years in broadcasting. I guess longevity says, you know, I had success. Um, I played 15 years of professional football, had a chance to be an MVP and win a Super Bowl and a man of the year. So, yeah, I guess I had success. I've been speaking for 40 years, sharing stories with people, asking them to look at their lives and, you know, hopefully maybe giving them a nugget or so that that makes their life a little better. So I said, I guess you could call me a success. He said, actually, Joe, that's not success. He said, those were aspirations that you had. You had aspirations to be a great football player. You had aspirations to teach people about the world of football. You had aspirations as you go out and speak to try and inspire people to look at their life and and affect others. Those were aspirations. He said, true success comes when you've reached a point in your life and you start giving back. Hmm. That is true success. And and I've, I've always found that to be a very profound statement from one of my buddies that sort of, you know, a lot of times people are on the outside looking at you and we have a tough time looking at ourselves. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's very profound. I really, I really enjoy that. I think, I think Joe, you you definitely embody, from what I can tell in, in the last thirty minutes or so, that you embody a lot of the things that you speak. If you're speaking it to somebody, you're applying it to your life. So I think that is just a telltale sign of your character um, as a, as a person, you know, people can see you on screen. They can Google you. They can maybe get a reference. Like I got reference to you from Marcus, but it's different kind of circling back to what you're saying about being present with someone as you can learn a lot about somebody's character within a few minutes of having a conversation with them. And so the, the trials and things that you've gone through, we didn't really get to tap in too far into your career ending injury. Um, but y- you've had these times in your life where you really just had to learn, like you're saying, and then apply it 
it and then share it with others, which is exactly what you've been doing with your speaking engagements, um, with your book, with this podcast. And so I just really appreciate the the richness of your character. It's it's been such a it's been such a cool honor for me to sit here and talk to you through this. Well, Brooke, so. thank you, and and I wish you all the success. You're a you're a terrific interviewer. Thank you. Um, it's a it's a true talent to be able to ask people questions, let them answer, and then build on whatever their answers are. I think, uh, and you've got it down very well. I look forward to hopefully catching up with you down the road. Yeah, um, absolutely. Love doing this with you. I appreciate it. So absolutely. thank you for having me. And um, before I let you hang up, we got to get to our, our write it down. Um, oh, yeah, I'll write but, it down. No, that's okay. That's okay. Even though there's so many in here that we could take from and, and, but I want your, your, your zinger, but I do want to ask you just a couple fun questions real quick, just to sure. kind of, you know, see some, some other side of you. Would you rather eat biscuits or muffins? If you're at a breakfast place, muffins, muffins, which one do you go for? Oh, which one? Like blueberry, um, cranberry, blueberry, blueberry, blueberry muffin. muffins. Love it. Blueberry muffin. Absolutely. I'll tell those who are listening and you a cool little trick that you can do. People probably already know this. And I, I sound like I invented this, but you can grill your muffins. You can ask them to cut it in half and then put it on the flat top. And it's so much oh, sure. better. So great. Yeah. Um, okay. Kind of sticking with the breakfast, sausage or bacon? Uh, bacon. Extra crisp. That's extra crispy. Oatmeal or cereal? Well, that's a tough one because if <laughs> I'm if you. I'm on the road if on the if I'm on the road, I have oatmeal. Okay. Still cut oatmeal. If I'm home, I have raisin bran. Love that cold bowl of cereal <laughs> and Cheerios. Heart healthy Cheerios. I love so. it. Heart healthy. Okay, last little one: leather or cloth seats for your car. Um. I'm sitting in one right now that has cloth, but my other ones have leather. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I like cloth. Why? Leather, let me, especially in the summer, my legs stick to stick. the leather. Yes, I know. It makes me feel so, like I have bigger thighs than I do when I but hear you, it. But, but you can get so many cool colors in leather, though. It is. It is you know? true. I'm with so, you on that. I mean, yeah, that's a good that's a good answer. I, I like that. OK, so we are at that point in the show and then um, I'll let you go. But Joe Theismann, what is your write it down? Well, the, I ask people to do this. I, I'm a big, I ask people to write down their goals. People have dreams and goals and, and they never put them into, I, bring, I say bringing it out into the universe. I ask people to do, to take two weeks of their life and I ask everybody listening out there to do this. Take a pen in hand, not a pencil, because you don't want to erase this. What do you want in life? Personally, professionally, spiritually, and financially. Personally, professionally, spiritually, and financially. Write them down. Mm. You'll be amazed how your life starts to go in that direction. I love but it. There is one, there's one other thing that I stress to people. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you cannot achieve your dreams. Don't let someone else control your life and tell you that you can or cannot do something. It's your life. It's precious. It's special. And you want to make it that way for yourself. I love it. Write it down, Joe Theismann. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Thanks, Brooke. Take care. All right, you too. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at 
W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.